Well, it has been a long, difficult journey, but here we are with episode number 264 of Red Sox Beat. We have baseball. Yeah, opening day is upon us. Josh Lewin is with you right now. And I guess we should be excited, right? I mean, this is certainly better than nothing. I don't know if that's a great catchphrase, but Red Sox baseball 2020 is better than nothing. Where's it going to go? The, I mean, the, the 10 playoff teams last year averaged 98 wins. That's a 605 winning percentage. So 36 wins is what you got to get this year out of 60. You can't afford something like a 5 or 10 start. I mean, you'd have to play basically better than the 18 Red Sox did at that point to go forward just to get in. So let's get out of the shoot against the Orioles, right? How are you feeling about Nate Evaldi as your opening day starter? 5.99 ERA last year. We'll get into that in just a moment. You know, uh, 18 pitchers got into at least 10 games for the Sox in the World Series season of 2018. Only half of those are still with the organization. I'm looking at 16 Red Sox hitters got at least 60 at-bats in 2018. And again, only half of those are still employed by the Red Sox. You've Said goodbye to a couple Cy Young winners, an AL MVP, a World Series MVP, a potential Hall of Fame closer. The fan favorite Brock Holt is gone. I mean, even Eduardo Nunez has been out of here for a while. So we'll break down what is on tap for these Red Sox of 2020, shortened season as it may be. No guest this time. This is just me talking to you about the lineup, the rotation, the bullpen, and we'll see if you agree with the assessments and Give you some things you probably didn't know, too. That's always the goal. Hey, there's a, there's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online Sports. They're making their way back. They've been there with the UFC, NASCAR, soccer leading the way. They've got the best odds and lines for the upcoming matches this weekend, in fact. And yes, baseball is back, so look for that. They've got more than just sports. They've got hundreds of live casino games and poker tournaments, all the best props in the business. So, it's visit betonline.ag is what we always tell you. Use your mobile device. Join to receive your new welcome bonus. Start playing right freaking now. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So I know I'm no expert, but here's what I'm thinking as everything kicks off Friday night. Here's what I think is going to be a Red Sox lineup, and we'll break it down kind of guy by guy. Just uh, I'm going to just talk extemporaneously about each one. In left field, number 16, Andrew Benintendi, who was supposed to be the leadoff man last year. It never really took, but here we go again. And he never turned the corner at all last year. I mean, at every step, very much like the entire club, he he was grinding. He was trying to to figure it out, but he was missing a lot of pitches. 140 strikeouts last year. Obviously, that must improve. Third base, number 11 in your game program, Rafael Devers. Boy, where do we start? More line drives off his bat than anybody else in baseball last year. 235 of them, say the Poindexters with the slide rules. The uh, the most extra base hits in a season by a Red Sox player ever. Last year, Rafael Devers had 90. Ted Williams never had more than 86. Did that in his famous 1939 season when he was just coming on. Nomar Garcia Parra at 97 at 85. Ted Williams again makes the list in 1940. Mookie made the list not in 2018, but in 2016 with 78. Devers had 90 last year, and some of the best hands in all of baseball, the way he's able to respond to pitches. The defense certainly has gotten much better. He really turned the corner after that costly ninth inning error in Chicago early May last year. He talked to Adrian Beltre on the phone and somehow got his mind right. 
Guy had no home runs, three runs batted in his first 24 games last year and ended up where he ended up. All right, batting third, your shortstop, number two, Xander Bogarts, who actually finished last in some of the defensive metrics among big league shortstops last year, but he has blossomed into one of the best players offensively in the game. He was on base more than 250 times last year, 52 doubles, 33 home runs. Seems like he's absorbed the same lesson as Jose Altuve. The walks have almost doubled the last four years. Now he's doing major, major damage. And, you know, as we talk about finding another face of the Red Sox and Boston sports, really, because Brady's not here, Gronk's not here, et cetera, et cetera, I think you could do a lot worse than Xander Bogarts. I mean, it's a guy that's already got a couple World Series titles on his resume, and there's the personality, just the type of guy that people should be drawn to. Your cleanup man, your DH, number 28, J.D. Martinez. Can he get back to the production of 2018? He always mashes lefties. He's going to do that again. He had 404 against lefties last year. 2018 was his 330 batting average, 43 home run, 130 run batted in the season. I mean, obviously, that's a lot to ask for, even prorated. But I'm fascinated by J.D. Martinez, who, who, by the way, still has no walk-off home runs. Can we get one of those? Charlie Culberson has four of 23 total home runs in his career. Martinez is no walk-offs on 231 home runs. But after he washed out with the Astros in 2013, I think it's a great story because he was spending a lot of time in the trainer's room. He had a bad wrist. The ESPN feed, he says, was always on. It was just a constant string of Ryan Braun talk because he was going through the PED allegations then. But under every conversation, they'd show Ryan Braun highlights, that sweet uppercut swing. And it dawned on JD after watching all this for basically weeks. He's like, that's got to be my swing. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, He's got that swing now. And he tried to tell the Astros. He's like, I've gone away to winter ball. I've worked on this. I'm a totally new guy now. Jeff Luno didn't believe it. And, you know, he said later, nine times out of ten, when someone tells you they've gotten better during winter ball, it's just not true. But this was obviously the, the one out of ten instead. How about Mitch Moreland at first base batting fifth, number 18, with your Doug Minkiewicz numbers and skill set? And quietly, Doug Minkiewicz, I mean, we, we're just kind of taking him for granted now. No Red Sox first baseman has ever banked a 1,000 games played. Boomer Scott came closest with 988. Mo Vaughn was only 928. Mitch Moreland is starting to pick him up and put him down here. Never going to be a superstar, but he's a a smart situational hitter who knows how to use the green monster to his advantage. And uh, I've always liked Mitch Moreland since I saw him come up with the Texas Rangers way back in 2010. Wow. All right, batting next, your catcher. Number seven, Christian Vasquez. Part of the killer Vs, Vasquez and Alex Verdugo. We'll get to him in a moment. Vasquez most improved from last year. Comeback player of the year, maybe. I don't know if he actually got that award, but he just deserved it. He had never hit more than five home runs in any season until last season. He had 13 at the All-Star break. I mean, he was like a, a Willie Mo Pena laser show, but also was a Gold Glove finalist by the end of the year, too, with his 23 home runs at the end. And a legacy of great catchers from Puerto Rico. Vasquez wants to be part of that group. Pudge Rodriguez wore number seven as well. Uh, you got Yadi Molina, whose career is starting to creep towards an end. Go back to Sandy Alomar Jr., Javi Lopez, Benito Santiago, Jorge Posada. And Vasquez, very serious about wanting to be part of that Puerto Rican catching culture. 
As for Verdugo, wearing number 99, something Manny Ramirez did for the L.A. Dodgers, and now former L.A. Dodger Verdugo comes to Boston. Look, you don't replace Mookie Betts. We know that. Not possible. But this guy plays defense like Mookie. He really does. He had 14 defensive runs saved for the Dodgers last year, was a positive 6 DRS when he had to play left field, and he can play center as well. There's a lot of guys that can, in theory, play center which is great to have. And not like he got a platoon him here. He's actually hit lefties a little bit better than righties in his career. The OPS is two points higher against lefties, which was a bit of a surprise to find out. After that, should be at least on opening day at second base. Pa- no, not Pedroia. Peraza. Jose Peraza. And by the way, Pedroia is going to end his playing career with a batting average of 299. What a shame. He was at 300 and then... He came back, he tried to play, he didn't play well, he was hurt, obviously, and he's going to end up at 299. Peraza, 239 with Cincinnati last year, but hey, from Pokey Reese to Brandon Phillips, we have seen former Reds middle infielders come to Boston and compete before. And the coaches seem more impressed than you might expect with Jose Peraza, just kind of a, a pedestrian guy when you when you look at his stats. But Ron Renicki says, we love him. His swing has been great, great BP. This is going to be the primary second baseman here, and he can get starts at short and third when Xander and, and Rafi Devers need days off. Finally, we go to number nine in the order. That's your center fielder in a contract year, number 19, Jackie Bradley Jr. Now, 40 games in last year, he was hitting 144. 40 games in this year, that's two-thirds of the season. So that can't happen. You love Jackie Bradley Jr., who's a dad now, Jackie Bradley the third. Undersized in high school, we were just talking about Dustin Pedroia, and there's a lot of that with Bradley. Wasn't invited to the prominent showcase events. He went undrafted as a high school senior. But when he gets going, as you know, I mean, how many guys are on their resume have it that they flirted with a 30-game hitting streak and they're batting ninth in somebody's batting order? Last year, Jackie ended Ryan Presley's streak of 40 consecutive scoreless appearances with a monster home run. So hopefully a nice bounce back overall year for JBJ. On the bench, a couple of catchers to clue you in on. Kevin Ploiecki will wear 25. He's out of Purdue, former Met, former Indian. Jonathan Lucroy will wear number 12. This guy was fourth in MVP balloting not too long ago for Milwaukee. He's 34 years old now. He's coming off neck surgery, but his OPS before the neck thing and all the other injuries, his OPS was 784. When he was healthy, it's been 666 ever since. A little pause in the action here just to talk to you for a moment about something that's not all that easy to talk about. Nobody loves talking about erectile dysfunction. I get that. We just brush it off usually. We say, I lost my mojo. We just kind of move it along. We're saying, I had a long day at work. Or, sorry, honey, not feeling it tonight. But, hey, with Roman, let's talk about this. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. Simple, safe, totally discreet. With Roman, you get a free online evaluation, ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor works with you to find the best treatment plan. You get it shipped to you free, two-day shipping here. The whole process, very straightforward, very discreet. Just go to GetRoman.com socks and complete your online visit. That's it. Go to GetRoman.com socks, and if approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com socks. GetRoman.com socks. Now, back to our program. 
Jonathan Araus is the uh, guy that probably will stick here, an infielder wearing number 36. 21-year-old Rule 5 pick is not ready for prime time, but the Sox are going to keep him around to add to their organizational depth. Otherwise, he's got to be returned to the Astros. Perfect scenario for a Rule 5 guy, right? It's a short season. The Sox aren't really expected to go to a World Series. Just had a two-run walk-off home run in an intra-squad game. That's nice. It came off the, uh, the newly signed right-hander, Zach Godley, who we'll talk about in a moment. Okay, there's still Zhui Lin. He's had to change uniform numbers. He's, uh, he's basically six times better this year. He's gone from five to 30. This could be your 10th inning pinch runner, since there's the new rule about if you're in extra innings, you got to start with that runner at second base. Wondering where Damon Buford is when you need him, or is Darren Lewis, Rodas Nixon, but Zhu Wei Lin for now will do. Michael Chavis, don't forget, wearing number 23 is still in the mix. And there's always a charismatic 23, it seems. I don't know if Tom Bernanski was charismatic, but I always liked him. Oil Cam Boyd, certainly, Louis Tiant. Uh, the Chief, the Ice Horse, whatever you want to call him, needed 66 games to hit his first 15 home runs last year. The quickest pace for a Red Sox player since the great Sam Horn did it in 60 games. But Chavis one of only six players to have 100 strikeouts in their first 70 games played ever. A lot of modern guys doing it. Javier Baez, Miguel Sano, Trevor Story, George Springer, Yohan Moncada is on that list, and Chavis. In fact, Chavis, a three-strikeout game seven times last year. Ted Williams three times in his entire career, about 2,300 games. I've said often, if this guy ends up being Dan Ugla, I'm fine with that. I really am. Uh, we should mention a bench player who's not here, and that's the Brock star. Like Alice Cooper in the original Wayne's World, he is now rocking out in Milwaukee. Milwaukee. A Milwaukee Brewer. They're not worthy of, of Brock Holt. But a guy that's cast in that mold, kind of that scrappy, go-get-it guy. Here comes Kevin Pillar. He'll wear number five outfielder who plays with a chip on his shoulder. It was a 32nd round draft pick out of a Division II school. And the Red Sox getting him on a one-year deal, $4.25 million, very familiar-sounding Steve Pierce kind of deal, was signed on Valentine's Day. 21 homers last year with the Giants. That was a career high. But the on-base percentage has got to get a lot better. It wasn't even 300 last year. All I know is Giants fans are chapped that this guy is not back. They thought he was really important for their team last year. Veteran guy, good guy. All right, should we go do some pitching? Let's go do some pitching. Uh, we mentioned Nate Evaldi, the opening day starter and uh, former World Series cult hero. That helps, but also a guy who, yeah, last year was flirting with the, the 6 ERA. The Jake Gyllenhaal lookalike, I think learned last year, triple digits fastball doesn't do much if it's not well located and the breaking ball is not working along with it. The splitter, previously a good pitch for him, but it was more of a kind of like a, a Joe Kelly thing out of the bullpen. Right, I mean, some moments of brilliance, but then not so much. Remember, there were only two teams he had interest in signing with after the World Series. It was the Red Sox and the Astros. And he's from the Houston area. That would have made a lot of sense. But uh, it just didn't work out. I think it's very important now that he's here. Colin McHugh, will he be something? He was maybe going to go back to the Astros at some point, too. But he's now with the Red Sox. We'll touch on him momentarily but let's get to Erod you'd think that this would be your opening day guy because he won 19 games last year but the COVID concerns he's coming back slowly from that he was last year of course the breakout star when Sale and Porcello and to a lesser extent Price all disappointed and 
I just remember something Aaron Judge said last year. He said that the difference has been overall command when he thinks about Eduardo Rodriguez. Command of everything. I mean, he's got the great fastball command, especially inner half to righties. But the Sox tried to make it a point for Rodriguez to be aggressive, establish the inner part of the zone. And it's something that he mentioned after a lot of his starts last year, that when he's assertive and doesn't try to nibble, that's when he's at his best. That the cutter's working well, the changeup away to righties, you've got that combo. you got to absolutely respect that. I respect that he became a workhorse last year, a 200-innings guy after never before having been to 140. And he induced the most soft contact of any starter in the entire American League last year, 23%. That was better than Garrett Cole. Lucas Giolito was second. You know who was third? It was Rick Porcello. Go figure. Didn't translate to results. Speaking of which, that leads us to Martin Perez. Good stuff. Didn't really translate. Kind of diet Erod. Same repertoire. Lots of curves and change-ups. When he was with the Rangers, this was a guy who was very apprehensive and timid. Didn't trust his stuff. With Minnesota, for a while, he seemed to gain confidence and got better. Number four starter, at least to start out, is going to be Ryan Weber. Journeyman soft tosser. Love the guy, but, I mean, wow. He's your number four starter. 2019, a pitch quality. Uh, it, it was there. You know, I mean, the, the horizontal break on his curveball, they say, was top 2%. Late break was top 10%. So the nerds love his stuff. Go-to pitch, though, has been that two-seam sinker since he was 10 years old. No one taught him how to throw it. He just figured it out by watching Tim Hudson and Greg Maddox on TV all the time, the Braves games. He said, I just wanted the ball to move like that because no 10-year-old can hit that. And he just stayed with it. I like that. And he was a Brave for a while, a Mariner, a Ray, originally a Phillies draft choice at a Clearwater High School, just up the road from the Phillies Spring Training Complex. How about Brian Johnson? He's in the mix all of a sudden, and you talk about a guy that you root for. Another Florida native, Cocoa Beach, very fast worker. We like that. Uh, University of Florida. He was a Gator, although his dad had been a football player for rival Florida State for Bobby Bowden. But uh, I think for Brian Johnson, I just always think about how life has been a, a trifle unfair to him ever since he's gotten in a pro ball. A batted ball to the face, shoulder injuries, elbow injuries. He was carjacked at gunpoint. If you guys remember Jenny Garth as Kelly on 90210, the most troubled character in the history of television, in a 10-year run of that show, that character had an alcoholic mom, a drug addict brother, she became addicted to cocaine, she got amnesia, she was the subject of an attempted murder by a stalker, she was trapped inside a burning building after joining a cult in the Hallmark Channel movie about Brian Johnson's life, Jenny Garth gets first shot at the role. I mean, Brian Johnson, God bless him, fighting through anxiety and uh, everything else he's had to deal with. Just an easy guy to root for. But just when you think he's got a spot locked up, here comes Zach Godley, who in Arizona was not even the best Zach G in his own rotation. Zach Greinke was there too. He throws his curveball an un-his-own-last-name amount, uh, 40% of the time, basically, but this is a very enigmatic guy. I mean, he'll, he'll mow through a lineup one start, struggle to throw strikes the next. He was a 15-game winner in 2017, but he was released by the Diamondbacks, and this spring training couldn't make the Tigers. So just kind of throwing that out there. All right, let's finish up with the bullpen here. And this is going to have to be a deep dive because there's a lot of bullpen, right? Brandon Workman is top of the pyramid. And because the Red Sox were generally a disappointment last year, 
They, they didn't make the playoffs after they won a World Series, and that got a lot of attention. But if you were paying attention, Workman just chucked up curveball after curveball after curveball, got the role of closer eventually, and in his last 26 appearances last year, a 165 slugging percentage is what he allowed. Think about that. 165 for a slugging percentage. He struck out 40 in his last 26 innings. 135 times last year there was a batted ball against Workman. One time it was charted as a barrel. That is absolutely insane. We don't talk enough about the year that, that he just had. Can he do it again? He has not looked good in limited work since coming back from the, uh, the long pandemic break. How about Matt Barnes? Speaking of trying to come back now, a Danbury, Connecticut native, uh, a well-located 94-mile-an-hour pitch, far more effective than a poorly-placed 97-mile-an-hour pitch. I think Matt learned that last year. He had more blown saves than actual saves last year. So something's got to give. Same for Heath Hembry. Now, he was around 92 miles an hour when he came back from being hurt, and that's not going to go uh, at all for, for Hembry if that's how that continues. What about Ryan Brazier? Very competitive. Gary Sanchez knows all about that when he was ordered to get back in the bleeping box during the ALDS a couple years ago, and Brazier promptly struck him out when he did. But he was just awful for the Red Sox in May of last year, 7.2 ERA, even worse in July with a 10.5. Fastball location simply was not there. Josh Taylor is on the team, but slowly making his way back. He was on the COVID list. Originally signed by the Phillies, lefty, if you like that. I mean, he's not a specialist lefty, which, by the way, is no longer a thing this year. You got to face three batters in a row unless the inning ends. But another guy that you root for. This is a guy that uh, you know, never received a big signing bonus. He had to work customer service at the Phoenix Convention Center the last several off-seasons. He'd help out on the docks, helping out with the trucks out and back, you know, taking whatever was off the trucks inside, stuff like that. Josh Beckett look-alike. But he's a little less surly than Josh Beckett. Austin Bryce, former Marlin. Josh Osich, former White Sox and Giant. They'll be around. Colton Brewer, we heard from him in depth on the podcast last week. 27 years old now. And the Red Sox tried to sign him as a minor league free agent heading into 18. He landed with the Padres instead. And this is one of those guys where the analytics group just likes the fastball data. They they like how everything he throws moves. They thought they could kind of sand down the edges last year, and at times it went okay, but, but not, not great. Marcus Walden. How about Marcus Walden? Another guy that just from out of nowhere, 30-year-old minor league free agent guy, just blammo, here he comes. Early August last year, he had a stretch of 30 batters faced and no hits allowed until Carlos Santana walked him off in Cleveland with an opposite field home run, hanging slider, as I recall. But this is a guy who four or five years ago, was pitching in Amish country, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, for an independent team managed by Butch Hobson, of all people, and released by a lot of teams, indie ball, all of that. Good on you, Marcus Walden, for making a go of it. Darwinson Hernandez, very important player, and again, through the COVID protocol, so he's slowed down. Close to 17 strikeouts per nine innings last year as a rookie, a Red Sox record, rookie or not. And the latest in a long line of hard-throwing Venezuelan lefties to roll through this farm system. Certainly the most successful so far. Doesn't give up extra base hits to lefties. That's big. Not bad for a guy who signed for $7,500 back in 2013. And we'll finish up with Colin McHugh. 
a guy that I got to know with the Mets when he first came up and just a really thoughtful, insightful guy. He sharpened his sword as a Houston Astro because I love that spin rate on his curveball. It's a big if, if he's healthy, but he could certainly contribute as well. And what's going to be, let's face it, everybody, an absolutely strange nine weeks. That's all this is. It's basically a nine-week season. And it's a race to see not only who can get to that 36-win total like we discussed, but who can stay sane, who can do the little things necessary to just kind of tune out the drumbeat of no drumbeat. I mean, there's not going to be real fans there. There's going to be fan noise. But what's the psychology of that going to be all about? Uh, There's still so much that a lot of people, I mean, certainly the players have to, to get to here. And think of this like an NFL season. This year, if you start out 12 and 18, that's the equivalent to being 3 and 5 if you're the Patriots. And, you know, as, as we know, unless an NFL team goes 7 and 1 down the stretch after 3 and 5, they are cooked at that point. So getting out to a decent start and having a lot of Orioles on the early schedule here, that should help. But uh, they, they cannot stumble like they did last year. Remember that terrible opening road trip? That was my introduction to the Red Sox, by the way. Hi, I'm your new announcer with Joe Castiglione. Oh, they're going to start out 2-8. and eight. I hate this guy. And just to leave you with this, I know that drill pretty well because my one year with the Cubs, they started out 0-14. And everybody blamed the new guy. Anyway, hope you've enjoyed this little run through the roster. There will be more changes and more things to discover and decipher, and we'll do that together as we go. But happy opening day. Thanks for tuning in. Please stay safe, and please don't make fun of any of the players that are wearing masks. They're doing the Lord's work here. I'm not kidding. I mean, we're all supposed to be respect. You wouldn't just walk up to somebody and sneeze on them, would you, just to be an idiot? Well, we don't have all the hard data even yet about how easily this stuff spreads from person to person. I happen to think it spreads fairly easily from person to person, and so does the CDC. So if somebody wants to wear a mask the entire game, even while they bat, I hope you'll applaud and, and not tweet something disgusting. That's just my, my personal thought on that. Okay, this is Josh Lewin trying to, uh, to keep it apolitical the rest of the way. But uh, again, thanks for tuning in. Red Sox beat from CLNS. <laughs>